Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, a podcast brought to you by UVA Finance, UVA's trusted financial partner. Finance Matters is a podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and inspiration in the hopes they'll be useful to you on this road we're all on to do our best and be our best in the realm of financial matters here at UVA. I'm your host, Brandy Van Ormer, back today with faithful co-host Patty Marbury of Finance Outreach and Compliance. And we are here with special guest star Theron Fisher for podcast number two on self-awareness. Theron, thanks for sticking around to record another session. My pleasure. I'm glad I can be here. So if you didn't catch the first podcast on self-awareness and um, self, your self-leadership, then I would advise just pausing this for a second, going back and checking that one out. Um, We're going to continue our conversation here on podcast number two and talk about how self-awareness impacts your work relationships. But if you don't have a good understanding of what we mean when we talk about self-awareness, it won't mean as much to you. So Take a pause if you haven't listened to that one and go back and check it out. Theron is a senior organizational development consultant with talent management here in UVA with our HR department. And he told us in the last podcast that 95% of us think that we're great at self-awareness, but that in all actuality, only 10 to 15% of us actually are. So if you think about it, that means that the odds are good that every day that you go to work, you're working with a lot of people who aren't quite aware of what they're doing and why they're doing it, and neither are you. <laughs> and you can see how that might cause some problems. Mm-hmm. So um, it, when you talk about this, Theron, with groups here at UVA or, or beyond, um, how do you lay it out for people? What, what they need, what's at stake in terms of self-awareness on teams? Sure, so it's always challenging there are a couple ways that we tend to approach it. The first one is normally when someone comes to us with an issue they're facing on a team, uh, they've spent a lot of time thinking about it and analyzing the issue, but there's a good chance they haven't spent much time thinking about what they have done or not done to contribute to the issue. Uh, they, they sort of remove themselves from the situation. And I think that shows a lack of self-awareness, not understanding how they may be contributing to the situation. Why are we all so bad at that? (laughs) (laughs) Why why are we bad at at self-awareness? Yeah, why is it so easy to not figure that into the equation? It would seem like we're sitting here talking about it and it's just like it's easy for us to think that we are self-aware, it's easy to think, well, I wouldn't be that way. (laughs) I'm not Why would you, I mean, why are so many of us not figuring that in? Right, introspective enough to say, what am I contributing to this problem? Mm-hmm. Well, there are a couple different reasons. One is we need to develop self-awareness. It's not just something we innately have. And anytime we need to develop a new skill or a new behavior, it's going to take time and effort. And what are we all pressed for? Time. Mm-hmm. And we probably don't want to expend effort on things we don't have to. Right. Um, other reasons include the fact that about 50% of the time, we are all operating on autopilot. Yep. We are engaging in behaviors that we are comfortable with, that we don't need to think about. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are seeking out information that confirms what we already know and feel. It's the old confirmation bias coming out. Um, So if we are spending at least 50% of our time not even thinking about what we're doing and seeking out information that reassures us that what we're doing is right, 
it's uh, only natural that we're not increasing our self-awareness or awareness of others. Yeah, I don't get up in the morning and think, I'm going to look for things that make me uncomfortable or call my fundamental understanding of myself into question. (laughs) Nah, I'll pass. (laughs) Exactly. And and when we do take the time to engage in activities that increase self-awareness, we might engage in them improperly or poorly, and not intentionally. We, we just don't know any better. Mm-hmm. I think a good example of that is we talked about um, using reflection as a way to increase self-awareness. And a lot of times when we reflect, we tend to ask ourselves questions. And uh, more importantly, we ask ourselves why questions. So why did I feel that way when I had that conversation with Brandy? Or why did I act that way when I had that uh, poor interaction with Patty? Why questions, while they're natural, are often not very beneficial. So when you pose a why question to someone else, it tends to put them on the defensive because we're basically attacking their behavior or attacking their thoughts. So if I go to my uh, kids and say, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. Right? They're automatically going to be a little defensive. Right? I'm coming at them in a very accusatory way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens with adults. It happens with ourselves. So, so I should try. What were you thinking? <laughs> that's, that's, like, the joke, you're right. What questions are a much better way to go when we're reflecting yes. or even when we're having questions with someone else? So um, what made me feel that way during mm-hmm. that meeting? Yeah. Um, what can I do to keep from behaving in that same way again in the future? And it seems like the why you'd fall into that self-confirming rut again. Mm-hmm. If you ask yourself, why did I feel that way? You're, you're going to answer yourself in a way that is routine. Like, I know why I did that, and it's because... Well, and I think the chances yeah. are that, that, that there's, there's a higher chance that your answer to that is going to be something that you turn to the other person. Yes, say, good point. Well, because she was so... <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And also, a lot of times, the answers to why questions aren't rational, and therefore we stop right there. So, for instance, why uh, why did I get so upset in that meeting? Well, that's easy. Uh, Brandy said something that made me really angry, mm-hmm. right? And so I think I've answered the question. I think I can move on, but feelings are very irrational, mm-hmm. right? And just because someone makes me angry doesn't justify my behavior or justify Um, how I felt about something. So I need to go to a different tactic. I need to look at things a little bit differently. And if I say, what was it about that situation that made me act in a way that I now regret? Mm -hmm. And what can I do in the future to prevent myself from being in that situation? Mm -hmm. Or what can I do to react differently? Instead of asking all these why questions, I can get either to an appropriate root cause or to a different way of seeing the situation. Mm -hmm. So when you say that, I think about a point you made when we talked in the first pod about journaling or talking with a trusted friend or colleague who can give you feedback. Mm -hmm. When some time has passed and you look at a situation again, you think of it differently. I think we talked about that. And if you're asking yourself those what questions, those answers become clearer when you're really taking the time to explore those things, especially later. I think your, an- your answers in the moment, too, mm-hmm. might be a little different. Right after the meeting where mm-hmm. Patty was rude to me, oh, Patty. 
Um, <laughs> but, you know, usually by the time you get home and you're standing in the shower thinking about it, um, is a good time to think about, now what was it that mm-hmm. made me so upset there, really? Mm-hmm. Well, and then that other, the what was kind of going through my mind as we were talking about this is that it goes back to the, when you ask those what questions, like what was it going on mm-hmm. in my mind or in my body that made me react that way or what can I do differently in the future? Yep. It's the whole idea of, of you, like you only have control over yourself. Mm-hmm. And so to say, what can I do differently is the only thing that you can be asking. Because you can't say, what can Patty do differently? Right. You can't say. <laughs> or you great. can't really even say, why did she, did she do what she did? Because right. you don't have the answer to that. No. You can't really know. Patty might not even know. Right. Because we're talking about people who are in various levels of self-awareness. Patty so may not know. Patty may not know. <laughs> Patty, don't, Patty don't know. <laughs> but, it, I mean, it is interesting to think about I like that point that you are the only one who has control over how you think and respond to things and understanding your little paths that your brain likes to trot down yeah. is a great strength. Mm-hmm. You can prevent yourself from going there always. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking before we hit record again. Some of the best conversations happen between or before or after yeah. we record. But we were talking about, you know, oftentimes you encounter somebody in the workplace and they do or say something that you think, wow, what's wrong with you? Or what are, why are you so angry? Or why are you like that? And it's not that our job is necessarily to psychoanalyze them, mm-hmm. <laughs> but just to realize that everyone is on some kind of path in this right. way. Mm-hmm. And you can't know what's going on with them. Yeah, but you can, effect, you can definitely control what you doesn't mean you have doing. to accept it. Yes, yeah, no, you, no. You can't understand necessarily what's going on with them. Um, I'd like to talk more about um, the benefit of not only being self-aware, but also having awareness of um, the people, your colleagues, mm-hmm. and kind of what they're, what motivates them. And you mentioned the in the first podcast about the iceberg. Mm-hmm. And yes, we can't see what's beneath necessarily, but we can learn what's beneath by either just learning more about them or doing assessments, those kinds of things. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the benefits of, of that um, as either a colleague or, you, or a manager. What are the benefits of really understanding your colleagues and your team? Sure. So having a good sense of how other folks on your team operate, so what their behavioral preferences are, what's important to them, uh, goes a long way for a lot of different reasons. It, At a bare minimum, it can help you make sense of behavior that would otherwise be really confusing. So think about the number of times that we've all sat in meetings, heard the exact same message, but when we left that meeting, people went in completely opposite directions. They took different actions on that Mm -hmm. same information. Well, that's just because everyone has a unique perspective. They filter information differently and make sense of it differently. And so at a bare minimum, if you can understand what's going on with other people on your team, you can understand why they might take different actions than you do, why they might react to a comment differently than you would. And when you think about that iceberg metaphor, if you know a little bit more about what's below the surface, it can keep you from bumping into one another. 
in unfortunate ways. Yeah. You interpret their re- responses in a different light rather than taking them as angry. You might learn that your colleague is just naturally very inquisitive and rigorous. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. That's a great extension of that metaphor. Hey, I'm an English major, man. Metaphors are my life. <laughs> um, you know, but if you have a team, or even if you as an individual are willing to take that awareness of others and actually modify behavior based on it, then some great things can happen. You can really start to have some great team effectiveness. You can build stronger relationships. Capitalize um, on those things that other people are stronger at. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, if I have the simple recognition that you prefer to engage in a partnership around a piece of work differently than I do, mm-hmm. then I can take the initiative to sort of adapt to your way of doing things, which makes things easier for you, might allow you to be more productive, uh, and we might have a better outcome. Mm-hmm. In an ideal world, you would also recognize how I prefer to do things differently, and you would try to adapt to meet me, and we'd find this great middle space where we can both be firing on all cylinders, Mm -hmm. instead of having this tug of war or sort of butting heads because we have different approaches. Mm -hmm. The list of things that you identified in our previous pod about um, the the benefits of having more self-awareness, both individually and in relationships, you know, that you have better results, higher mm-hmm. profits, that you're more confident, creative, all those things sound great. Mm-hmm. And when you made the point, too, that self-awareness is the foundation of what you all teach in um, talent development as a mm-hmm. foundation of leadership, that's, there. the stakes are really high, the benefits are really yeah. huge. And it's not just for folks who have traditional leadership roles. As Patty said, we're in charge of how we are in our own roles in our own lives and you can lead from that position and make really great strides just like you were talking about you know make your team more effective just by recognizing some things Mm -hmm. about how one another work I remember before we moved to Virginia um, I was in a healthcare environment in an alumni role and we were a very new team and hadn't worked together much Mm -hmm. and the job roles hadn't existed either so on paper, we had a lot of talent and had people in the roles that were perfect for them, mm-hmm. but we were also going to have to work together with a new boss, new everybody. And we did, I forget, we talked about this on break and you told me what it was, but I've already forgotten. What was Strengths finders. Yeah, we did a strengths finder assessment as a team. And that's a very formal way of entering into this process. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't always have to be that formal. Before we move on, I just do want to say it was really helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, It was helpful to see the common points that we had. It was helpful to see how we were similar to and different from our boss, our Mm -hmm. leader. So we knew what she valued versus what we value and could kind of adjust our our expectations and performance and Mm -hmm. priorities based on those things. And she could do the same. She knew where we were coming from, too. So it was very helpful, but um, you don't always have to go that formal either, Mm -hmm. do you? Not at all. You don't have to go formal at all. um, I'm a big believer in the Peter Block quote, the conversation is the change. And so I almost always encourage folks, regardless of the situation, start just by having a conversation. Mm-hmm. And so just sitting down as a team or with a particular individual on the team or somebody you're partnering with 
and just ask simple questions like how do you like to work what's your style yeah you know do you like to go away and think about things and then come back to the group and mm -hmm. share your thoughts do you like to process in the moment with other mm -hmm. people and mm -hmm. just having that understanding of, of how you all go about doing your jobs can be really helpful in creating better team dynamics if you yeah. just think about for instance a working relationship, a small team comes together for their weekly meeting with their supervisor and the supervisor says, all right, anybody have any ideas on what to do about this? And everybody just sort of stares at her and she interprets that as they're not thinking about it, they don't want to participate, they don't like me, they don't think this problem is important, but it could just be that they're not good in the moment people. They need that time to think about it to think about it and come you know if she, if she knows that about them then she can say hey I want to talk about this mm -hmm. when we have our next meeting so know that and think about what you want to bring to the table and we'll talk about it then absolutely yeah. well and then there's also so many things you learn about people after having worked with them for some time yeah that you just kind of learn about them so you might learn that they're that they need some time to think about things um, and so as a person leading the meeting on the team, whether it be the manager or someone else, then if you have somebody who can think on the, you know, spur of the moment and is maybe a little more extroverted and is willing to speak up, it, the tendency could, if you didn't know the members of your team and you didn't know what their strengths were and you didn't know what um, their, you know, the, how they would come out on those assessments, then the tendency could be to um, get the same ideas from the same people yeah. all the time. Yeah. And not ever letting the person who needs some time to think about it um, think about it and then come back with their ideas. Yeah, there's and no so method for them to do that. It's just great to not only be self aware, but aware of others mm -hmm. and what motivates them and how mm -hmm. they behave. And, but like you said, Taryn, just simple questions can, can get that. Um, people. But you have to take a little bit of initiative to, to at least, I mean, we're talking about assessments a little bit, but to at least just ask those questions. Yeah, and you think don't need to do things. an assessment necessarily, you could just ask. But, you know, we, you get to that point, and all of us do it, you sit in a meeting and someone's making a face and you assume that they're responding to what's being said. And it could be that they're thinking of an interaction they had with their spouse before they left for sure. work. Yeah. And we just tend to do that. We tend to make those assumptions that why people are doing what they're doing. And if they're, it's a little unnerving to realize that we're all so unself-aware, but it's also a little comforting, too, because then you can let go of that um, intent that you assume people have mm -hmm. <laughs> that it's not all about like you or response to yeah. you really probably most of the time it isn't about you yeah that's yeah. right and I think that's an important point when we're talking about how to use self-awareness and awareness of others to improve team dynamics is the importance of assuming good intent or yeah. assuming mm -hmm. positive intent yeah uh, and that someone chances are they're just not aware yeah. of how yeah. their behavior is coming across or even the behavior they're engaging in mm -hmm. And while I always think having an open, honest conversation is a great place to start, sometimes you don't even have to do that. Mm -hmm. Again, we observe other people's behavior all the time. And if we can process that and figure out how we can adapt our behavior mm -hmm. to better meet that person where they are as opposed to where we want them to be, yeah. um, we can improve things. And I've personally experienced that with individuals that I've worked with. 
mm-hmm. how a simple shift in my behavior based on what I've observed in others has dramatically increased relationships. Yeah, and an understanding of, of how they want to be treated. Mm-hmm. It's like that whole golden rule, platinum rule thing, you know, about the golden rule of treating others as you would want to be treated. Yeah, that's actually really, not the best. <laughs> right. The other rule is treat others as they would want to be treated. Mm-hmm. So it's just thinking thinking about that. But you got to know what that is yep. before you can do that. Exactly. Do you have some um, examples there without mm-hmm. naming names of working with teams or personally um, to mm-hmm. becoming more self-aware and then improving relationships? Sure. So... Uh, the team I currently work on, my OD colleagues, I don't believe they'd uh, mind me sharing this. We recently got together as a team for a, a one-day retreat to talk about some work, and as part of that, we spent a little time looking at ourselves as a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we happened to use a personality tool to do it, uh, but even though we feel we know each other well and have good working relationships, it really opened our eyes to understanding more deeply why we work so well. Mm-hmm. by having an understanding of where uh, everyone falls from a personality standpoint as individuals mm-hmm. and how that interplays for us as a team. And what we realized when we started plotting this out on paper is that individually we are very different. I mean, mm-hmm. to the point where on paper we probably shouldn't be working together <laughs> um, or at least working together as well as we are. Mm-hmm. And the, we discovered that the reason we do work so well together is uh, we all, without realizing it, have adapted to a space that we feel most comfortable uh, with one another. Mm -hmm. So we're not hanging out at our home bases where we're most comfortable, but we found a really happy middle ground where we all feel comfortable and and can operate really well together. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think another example that comes up for me a lot is with a manager I had very early in my career. And with this manager, I had regular one-on-ones. And I'm a relatively private person, and uh, in work meetings, I tend to like to get work done. And so I would go into these one-on-ones with my list of questions and agenda items I wanted to cover, and and I really wanted to get down to business. That's how I preferred to engage in the conversation. Uh, My manager, however, really wanted to build a connection and relationship through one-on-one. And so the conversation would often start with my manager asking what I considered to be overly personal questions. I can see how it's going to be uncomfortable for both of you in this situation. I I felt very uncomfortable. I tried to shut down that Mm -hmm. part of the conversation, so I'd give one-word responses, which is a great way to shut down the conversation. (laughs) Um, And we would both leave these one-on-ones really feeling unsatisfied, like we hadn't gotten out of it what we wanted. Yeah. And so I finally realized this is who they are. Mm -hmm. And this is how they're going to approach these meetings. I I didn't foresee them changing. And so if I wanted the meetings to be different, I knew I needed to engage in different behaviors. So I started thinking ahead of these meetings, what are some personal things that I feel comfortable sharing? They weren't life-altering. It's not like you totally altered yourself. Exactly. And it's Mm -hmm. not like I was bringing out skeletons from the closet and sharing Mm -hmm. them. You know, simple things like, what did I do over the weekend? Did I try a new restaurant? Did I see a movie? What book am I currently reading? Pretty Mm -hmm. mundane things. And 
I started going into our one-on-ones and leading off with those things. So started the conversation with a personal connection. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that after my manager filled their bucket by getting some of that relational information, they would very naturally shift gears and say, all right, Theron, what do you want to talk about? What's on your agenda? Mm-hmm. And then we'd fill my bucket and I'd get the information I needed to do my job. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden our one-on-ones and our relationship as a whole started to grow and become more effective instead of being this tug of war between their needs and mine. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Brandy, this wasn't a major change I made. I didn't change who I was. I stayed true to myself, true to who I was, but I made a small adaptation based on what I knew about them and what I knew about myself that drastically improved our relationship. And if you're in the listening audience and maybe you've approached this topic thinking, that sounds really touchy-feely. <laughs> it, it is and it isn't because it is a big part of the equation of success or making things happen effectively or not for yourself and for those you work with. Um, it's not just that we're driven by our altruistic need to understand one another, although that's a great byproduct. I mean, mm-hmm. you guys, your manager and yourself in that situation you described, just all together developed a more comfortable relationship. Mm-hmm. Win. But the, the big important part also is that you were able to do your work more effectively. They were able to lead the team and you more effectively. Things got done. Everyone moved forward in a more effective satisfactory way so Mm -hmm. it's not just that this is something that's a nice thing to have or is like holding hands and singing kumbaya it is an important thing there's a lot of work written on emotional intelligence and self-awareness and there are a lot of these assessments and they exist not because there are a bunch of people out there in academia who feel embarrassed about writing Facebook quizzes so they write books (laughs) it's because it really is important and has impact Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. So when we were talking about feedback, um, in the previous pod, I mentioned the manager development program, which is great. I'm sort of, sort of looking forward to my 360 results, sort of not. <laughs> but um, we were talking about how it doesn't have to be that formal, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and Patty, you had a great point about coworkers that you've had trusting relationships with where you've given one another permission to... Um, give you feedback on things that you know you want to work on? Yeah, just just like we were talking about the the finding out more about your team and your colleagues doesn't have to be a, with, through a formal assess, assessment. It can be by asking questions and things like that. Neither does feedback um, have to be a formal 360 or... A coaching session. It, yeah, it doesn't have I'm to I'm lucky that my work wife is also a coach. <laughs> That's Patty. <laughs> you know it's you. <laughs> um, thought, maybe, thought maybe we could separate it. Or no, we did not. Um, so um, feedback doesn't have to be done in that formal way either. It can be you find a trusted colleague. And when I do coach, I often tell people, find somebody you trust. If there's something that you feel like you need to work on, find somebody you trust and ask them to be like your accountability partner. Mm-hmm. So where they will, so in this example would be, um, um, say I'm somebody who interrupts in meetings a lot. I don't, but say I am, pretend I am. Okay. Um, then I might say to Brandy, 
who I trust, who's also in lots of meetings with me. Um, All the meetings. Will you give me a clue or give me some sort of gesture to when I interrupt? Because you don't realize Or it could be that maybe we're not real comfortable with doing that because it would be disruptive during the meeting for Brandy to be like patting herself on the head all the time. (laughs) Something like that. I'm drawing drawing my finger across my throat. (laughs) Um, But maybe after the meeting, having a quick conversation about how do I do, I'm trying to be more conscious of this, you know, let, let me know. So it can be feedback that's like that too, which I think of as much more informal feedback because I tend to be an emotional like I read emotion into things Mm -hmm. it's just that's a thing that I have one little part at least that I've become self-aware about I read it's my English major side I read intent into word choice that is not always there and because I do that I am particularly careful about my email tone Mm -hmm. in processing what was said to me and responding to what was said to me and I have a close former colleague who is still a great friend that I can connect with, even though she's way down south, um, via Skype and say, hey, I'm going to cut and paste this. This is what was sent and this is what I'm saying back. Gut check me. Is this cool? Yes. And and there have been a few times that she said, I don't think they were saying that. (laughs) And I mean, accepting the fact that you don't you are sometimes too deep in the situation and too deep in your way of processing it to do it objectively. Yeah. Is a or, step forward. <laughs> or if you're a person who feels like you need um, to write with more tact or diplomacy or something, then have somebody quickly read important emails. Not everyone is yeah. that important, but you know, an email going out to a group of people or something like that, then have somebody check it on you. So feedback on that. The other thing I was going to say about coaching is that um, coaching doesn't even have to be a formal coaching session. We've talked about this before. I mean, lots of times I'll sit down with Aaron when we're preparing for another uh, manager development program or something like that, and I'll just say, hey, how's it going? And he knows that I'm checking in on him to know, is he okay? Because we worked together, and I worked with the same former group that he worked in, and so it was just kind of like a quick check-in. Um, and he knows that if he wanted to expand on it and go further, that I'd be open to that. So it's the, it can be that, too. We right. do that all the time, too. Yep. Like, how, how's it going? So even coaching, coaching each other can be not a sit-down, let's put it on the calendar, check it off, you know, in the box that we had this. It can be um, just quick check-ins. So <laughs> things like that. It's so easy to see how this stuff lends itself to everybody being more productive. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to reduce it to that, too. I mean, it's many yeah. things, but definitely a pro- productivity enhancement. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I love the examples that you both gave around uh, getting feedback to mm-hmm. heighten self-awareness. Um, and I think your examples highlight that you're both relatively self-aware because they were asking for feedback. Relatively you know, self-aware. One of, so that means we're like... <laughs> <laughs> well, Team relatively <laughs> self-aware for the win. In my experience, what folks often struggle with in a team dynamic is those team members that aren't very self-aware and aren't seeking out feedback to become more self-aware. Mm-hmm. And how can, as a team, how can you provide that feedback? How can you do that? It's always a challenge, right? <laughs> and, and feedback is a huge topic that we could spend tons of time and several more podcasts covering. Uh, 
But one of the approaches I often encourage managers to use or other team members to use if they want to give someone feedback but they're not quite sure how to do it is to start with questions. So uh, you mentioned, Patty, that you, know, you wanted feedback on interrupting a lot in meetings. Well, let's say you didn't know that you interrupted a lot in meetings and I wanted to give you some feedback on okay. that. Then uh, you know, one of the things I might do is after a meeting, approach you and ask you how you felt the, the meeting went, or how you thought the meeting went, or something that's sort of neutral, like, how was that meeting for you? Mm -hmm. And you can share your perspective, and that might uh, help me better understand where you're coming from. And then I can lead into a conversation of, you know, I was really curious because I noticed that you had a lot of things you wanted to share, uh, a lot of information that you wanted to get out to the group, and at times it, it seemed like perhaps you were cutting other people off mm -hmm. to get that information out there. Mm -hmm. You know, and start to open that door towards sharing a different mm -hmm. perspective that perhaps that individual hasn't heard before. What a better approach than, why you interrupt so much, Patty? <laughs> right. That, that, yeah. Like you said, I mean, that was extreme and silly. But, well, but, but those why questions, why do, why do you think you talk over people all the time? <laughs> 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 Definitely not going to get the more, most helpful but, response. But putting a positive impression on it. Yeah, you, you had information and you so wanted to share. And so me being maybe more self-aware but um, actually aware of how what's in my head doesn't always come out I I in my head I would be like shut up don't you know stop stop interrupting but what would come out would be something like that of oh it sounded like you had a lot to share <laughs> I wish you could see the false smile on Patty's face as she says that. Sound like you had a lot to share. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think it's a great example there. So, are there, we do have great um, capability with the pod to recommend show, stuff in the show notes. Are there anything, like, sites or books or whatever that you'd recommend people checking out if they're interested in learning a little bit more about this or definitely we'll send them to talent development site mm -hmm. if they're here at UVA but what else might be good for people to check out so I think emotional intelligence and self-awareness are so connected that it's really hard to separate them and there's lots of great stuff out there on emotional intelligence so Daniel Goleman's original and seminal work emotional intelligence is really good uh, a shorter but equally good read is Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Uh, that's a really good book. Um, if you're looking to learn more about how to give and receive appropriate feedback to help in your own uh, self-awareness journey or, or perhaps to help someone else on theirs, uh, I would encourage you to look at some of the offerings that are provided through talent management in that area. Or um, there's some articles that we can link in the show notes okay. um, that I think are really beneficial. Awesome. But really, you know, the biggest thing I would say is that, um, back to Peter Block, the conversation is the change. If you want to learn more about your own self-awareness or how to increase it, find someone you know and trust and start the conversation. And go into it knowing that it's going to be a journey. It's going to take some time and effort. But there are real tangible rewards if you're willing to put in the work. Mm -hmm. That's an awesome place to wrap it up. Mm -hmm. And I will just say to you that that's one thing that I've loved about this podcast is that we get to have great conversations about things that matter with guests like Theron. 
Karen, thank you for being our guest today. You said that there were many more podcasts that we could do. We might call on you for that. We will. <laughs> and to our audience today, um, look for those resources in the show notes. And thanks again for joining us for Finance Matters. You can always check out more about what finance is up to on our blog at uvafinance.blogspot.com. And if you've got an idea for something you'd like to hear about or somebody cool like Theron that you want to come on and talk about stuff, just holler at Patty or myself, or you can tweet us at UVA underscore finance. That's all for now. Until next time, do good work because what you're doing matters.